Welcome to the Next Chapter Podcast. Whether you were going from high school to college, from college to the real world, from nine to five to entrepreneur, or literally anything in between, we are here to help you turn the page from dreams to reality. Welcome back to the Next Chapter Podcast, where we help turn the page from dreams to reality. Today, we're going to be looking at the book, $100 Million Offers by Alex Hermosi. Eric, you want to take it away? Yeah, so um, $100 Million Offers by Alex Hermosi. We had a podcast where we talked about who he is as a person and honestly, a super influential figure in the marketing and business space who it's honestly vital to learn from. In his career, he has a 36 to 1 ad spend to profit ratio, which is honestly unheard of. That's basically going to a roulette table and every single time you hit the number and you're guaranteed profit. Wow, I didn't even think about it like that. Right. That's true. So we're learning from one of the greatest people to do it right now of our generation and kind of just sharing what we took away from the book. So in this episode, we're just going to talk about everyone's central takeaway and message. So who wants to start us off? I'll start us off. The biggest thing that I learned from the book was, I mean, obviously it's about creating a great offer, right? Something that is going to entice people to want to work with you, something that really people can't say no to. What I really took away from the book is the way an offer is presented really affects the way it's perceived. So it has to have a good perception from the person who is receiving the offer for them to want to accept it. Do you guys know what I mean by that? Like, Yeah, but explain. Yeah. So like, what I mean is, in the book, he like talks about don't use discounts. Because if you discount something, then it makes it look like your product's cheap because you're willing to come down in price. A big thing that you should, well, that like will help your offer is you stay firm on it. You stay firm on whatever it is you're offering because you know what it's worth. It's like you have to have conviction and what what it is you're presenting to someone that this is of worth value and you're going to give me whatever I'm asking for it because I know what it's worth. Mm -hmm. What's something, just to relate to it, what's something you purchased in the past that you perceived as a great offer and that's what compelled you to make that purchase? Every time I go to the Bahamas, you know those... um, like wooden things that they carve over there. Facts. This is a good one, huh? Like every every time you you go there, they have like the wooden things for sale. And I bought a shark when I was really little, and I don't remember how much it was. I think it was like fifty dollars for like a little wood shark that they carve. And I was like, this is great. This is the greatest thing that I'll ever get. Like I want this so bad. And like realistically, what it's worth? What is it worth? Like five dollars. Yeah. yeah. So like my perceived value of it's so high. To the point where I'm willing to pay that outrageous price when it's really worth one-tenth of the price. It's really based on my perception of how bad I want it when they're creating that demand for it. Mm. And what was like the emotion behind it? Because that's what drives a lot of us to purchase Exactly. That's, that's the big thing. When you can create that emotion behind any sort of purchase. Because I was so emotional about it. I wanted it so bad. I, I attached myself to it like I already had it. And that it was something that I needed in my life. Mm-hmm. And because I felt that way about it, I was willing to spend whatever it took to get it. Well, yeah, and they say it's handmade, 100% wood, carved by hand, all this stuff. And then it's like, 
okay, when am I going to come back to this place? And yeah. it is a nice piece. Oh, it's not bought from China. You can't get this anywhere else. They mm-hmm. they sell you on that. They sell you the scarcity aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And they sell it, it urgency too because when you're leaving the port, you're not coming back for a while at least. Mm-hmm. Even if you come on another cruise, it's going to be like another week. Yeah. But you're not coming back for a fair amount of time. So it's like, okay, I need this now. So I have to make a decision quick. Yeah. Scarcity and urgency is another thing that ties into the perception of the offer. You want to make it seem scarce to the point where we're not offering a lot of these. It's very limited. Um, And also urgency. You want to make someone act like you need this immediately. Otherwise, the time that you that you don't have what I'm offering, it's costing you something. Mm -hmm. You're you're wasting time by not going with what I have. So what I, what I really did learn was how do we create a perception to the point where a person would be so happy to get what we're offering that they wouldn't want to say no. They feel like they have to act now. They feel like a lot of people or there's not a lot of spots left and that people want it. So it's going to fill up fast. So there's a high demand for it and the value is worth what they're getting. He said in the book, like, you should have someone think, I'm getting all this for just this much. Mm-hmm. And that's what it should always be whenever you're making an offer to someone is they should think, well, wow, I'm getting all of this for just this amount of, this amount of money or whatever you're exchanging. Mm-hmm. I think another good part about this is he talked about in chapter nine about when you make your offer, what are the problems that your prospect's going to face? Like what are the selling points for them? Um, so I think like a little bit deeper than just like an example of like a souvenir purchase, what he used a lot in the book was fitness related stuff, coaching, mm-hmm. um, cause that's what his background's in. And I really liked how in this chapter he just outlined in specific, like, okay, let's say just nutrition, what problems would someone face? They're going to say it's too expensive. They're going to say they don't have time to go to the grocery store. They're going to say they're not good enough, good enough of a cook and just naming dozens of problems that most people just think like, oh yeah, I just want to be a fitness coach and make money to make people look better. But there's like dozens of problems underlying it that if you can uncover those and just say, hey, I'm going to have you eat healthier and teach you how to cook at the same time, that's a huge problem for a lot of people that they don't want to get more nutritious in their diet because they don't think they can cook or they don't they don't have the skills or the time to do it. So he's like, uncover every single problem that comes under this thing that you're selling. So now when you go to sell someone, you can answer any objection but also you can market it and say, hey, if you were this person, like it goes back to people talking about like an avatar, like having an avatar for your audience of it's going to be a person of this age, this demographic, and my problem, my solution addresses that problem. It's going to be so much easier to sell. Mm-hmm. That is so true. I, I remember whenever he mentioned that in the book, I was because you hear all the time you don't want to tailor to the minority of what you're doing. You always want to tailor to the majority. So it'd be almost counterintuitive to think that should I be solving these little nuanced problems that seem like they're only going to come up once, but when they do come up, even if it is just once or if it happens twice, you're going to be really capable of solving it and it's going to make it seem like what you have is that much more valuable because you've experienced all the different scenarios that can come up when you offer something that you already figured it out and you've already have like a solution for literally everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It also made me look at problems a little differently. Like it's better to have a lot of problems because then you can come up with a lot of solutions. Then you can uh, charge more money for it. And 
really he talks about like niching down to like a specific problem and it does make sense because let's just think of a time when matt you dropped your phone from three feet in the air and the and the the um the screen went green. yeah the screen mm-hmm. turned green yeah um in that situation like instead of going on reddit and seeing the put it in rice comment <laughs> you would probably pay money to be like okay what exactly happened when it says okay i dropped my phone and my screen turned green yeah. like you would probably pay money for that if it's like oh my gosh like i want to find out what really happened mm-hmm. in some situations it's more valuable to appeal and specialize in a very small field because that's where you can charge a lot of money because people will feel that you understand their problem and you can solve their problem. I agree. Exactly. You'll relate to a lot more people than you can think of. Mm-hmm. And also people are more willing to work with someone and pay someone that it feels like they're, you're getting your exact problem solved. Mm-hmm. Like going back to fitness, if you just thought like, oh, I follow this one dude on Instagram, like I'm going to buy his coaching, but he just looks good and lifts weights. Like it's just very broad. Or if there's someone out there that says, hey, I want to work with, early 20 year old males that work blue collar jobs and live in this area of the United States be like, wow, that's exactly me. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to pay him more because he's addressing my problems. Maybe, you know, he might not look as good as the other influencer or the other coach, but I'm going to go with this guy because he is exactly what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And you're going to pay more for that. For sure. Yep. And another thing that just popped into my head as we were talking about this was he was talking about the perception of an offer whenever say you're buying an offer from me matt you buy my offer you want that offer to elevate your status Mm -hmm. so whenever you go with me you want it to be something that like okay now i'm working with now i'm working with ricky doing x and just because you say that that makes your status go up so it really is like just when i when i think about it it's how can my perception how can my offer increase and elevate the perception of another person and how can the perceived value of it be so great where they feel like they need it in their life? Mm-hmm. And that's it. If you can solve that, it, it, I mean, it sounds, when I say it, it sounds more simple than it is. But if you can master that and figure out how to come up with something that's so great that everyone needs and feels like they want it, then you can make so much money. Yeah. It happens all the time. People wear brands that are classier because they want to be associated with that brand. Like yep. they'll buy the more expensive clothing just so people can see the logo and that's just the status thing um i have a friend i guess you could say who is mentored by ed mylett and all the time he drops oh my mentor like he pays Mm. for that privilege of that status of like i'm coached by one of the best like Mm -hmm. it's you know you get a lot of benefit but also a status thing that you can just drop that and be like yeah like you know i'm i'm higher up now because i made that decision for sure yep that's a good example of it nice so what are some other lessons besides me that everyone has learned from the from the book or the biggest takeaways um i want to talk about scarcity we touched on it a little bit this is my biggest takeaway because i think a lot of times people get very eager to start in business or scale that they just want to work with everyone anyone possible like like yep i'll work with you i'll work with you and you advertise yourself as that um but he, Alex was basically saying, like, that's not how it should be at all. Um, he used an example of, I might get the numbers wrong here, but um, let's say you have 10 qualified people that could pay you $500 for coaching or some sort to buy some offer. He's like, you're better off taking two of those that are going to pay two th- or $5,000. You're going to make the same amount of money, but now those eight people that you turned away, now you're going to say, spots filled up. I don't have enough time for you. Maybe next year. Now they're like, wow, like 
I want your coaching. I want this product. Now they're going to come back to you and they're going to probably pay even more the next time. So when demand increases, he said, decrease supply. Um, and the reason for that is exactly that scenario where you turn away people. If you tell them you don't have enough time, enough space, enough onboarding for these other clients or inventory to sell these products, the other people want it more. Like how many times have you tried to purchase something and you're compelled to buy it more because it's almost sold out or mm -hmm. something is sold out and you're like, dang, I really want this. And now you're checking it time after time again. You're pointing at something. What's your example? That no risk, no worry. Mm. I literally said, it literally said two left. Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember I texted you guys, guys, it says only two left. Oh yeah, I do remember And, that. and it, it's literally just an option you put on like Etsy, yep. like, like just only show that's X actually, amount. Yeah, that's supply. funny. When I built my shopify store that's like a plugin you can have and i installed it yeah and it would whenever someone would browse on my site it would say like dave v bought this from sacramento california it's all fake it's a bot mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. so just like a little uh trick for everyone <laughs> if you're on a website like they're just lying they're <laughs> just yeah. trying to get you to buy it yeah. it's like i fell for advertisement seven left in stock or this person or 20 people have in their cart no it's not true <laughs> yeah yeah um, you can speak from experience because you bought the plugin. Yeah. So it's very interesting. Like when you think that supply is very low, people are more compelled to buy it. Um, or a case where like you were too late to purchase something. Let's say it's like coaching and you're like, Hey, I want to do this coaching. You didn't act in time. And now that coach is like, Nope, we already filled up. And it's just like, dang, like, but I feel like so many people are like, let's say coaching, for example, you want to coach people in fitness and, you're like, I'll just coach anybody and everybody. And you just try to get as many people as possible. You have an eight week period, two weeks in, you're like, oh yeah, let's bring on more people. It's not special at all. Anybody's allowed in. But if you say, hey, the deadline is this day. And if we have more than 15 by that people or for, if we have more than 15 people by that deadline, it's done. You know, we're cutting it off. Mm -hmm. It creates that scarcity that most people are attracted to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I also heard like it, that it's like good to set that stuff because it's real scarcity. Mm -hmm. If you know your limits and say I can handle X amount of people per week, if we were talking about coaching, I can onboard two new clients a week. Well, then I can truly go say to someone, I don't need you because I'll go find two other people somewhere else. Yeah. If you want it, you're going to have to pay a premium. And now from the outside looking in, there is a higher perception of how much it costs. And that's really what he's talking about. You, you can charge more because there's a higher perceived value of your product. Mm -hmm. If you get to the point where you are saying, my time is scarce, so I can offer this much. And kind of relating to all of this, it's why all these millionaires and all these gurus will charge so much money for their time and why other people will pay so much money for their time. We've talked about it on the previous podcast. Alex paid Grant Cardone like 50000 yeah, $50, for one hour or something like that. Um, and the reason he does that is because Grant's a really successful guy. He must not have a lot of time for me, so I'm going to make it worth his while or his time to give me an hour. Mm -hmm. So I'll pay a lot, of a lot of money because I think his hour is worth a whole bunch of money. Yeah, exactly. There's three types of scarcity he mentioned in this chapter. It's limited supply of seats, like if you're selling a service, um, saying you don't have enough capability to take on everyone. Um, limited, limited supply of bonuses. Um, so these are the add-ons uh, to your product or to your offer. And then never again. And the never again really stuck with me the most because 
he used an example of Chanel, I think it was, where he yep. said like Chanel will send only like one or two items to each store they have. Mm -hmm. So when you're there, it's super exclusive and it's very unique. You probably won't find the same thing store to store. And if you don't act on it that right then and there, someone might take it from you. So you're like, I need to buy this because I might never get it again. Um, the Nelk Boys with their merch drops. I was going to bring them up. Used to be so big because they were like, it's never happening again. We're going to yep. drop this line. We have, let's say, 100 hoodies. If you don't get it, SOL. Like mm -hmm. you, you have to pay a arm and a leg on eBay or you're just never going to get it ever. Right. Um, which and, is, and they sold out in under, what was it, like a minute every yeah. time. And that's what they prided themselves on. This many viewers on the website sold out in under a minute. And then what? It sold out every single time mm -hmm. because they controlled the supply where they're like, okay, people are wanting this. I don't need to make the decision because other people are making the decision for me that I should buy this mm -hmm. and I yep. will buy this next time. It's just, can I get my hands on it? It's so powerful. It really is. And I was on their website recently and all their stuff is just like for sale right now. Probably. And it was really interesting because when, like I used to be a fan, like I watched them all the time and like I would go on during the merch drops and see what was available. For like sure. I was compelled to buy something just because it was very limited. Yep. And then now that everything's like, open season you could buy whenever you want i'm just like i don't need that yeah. you know it's really it's a much different experience um because when you say it's never going to happen again people want to buy it right then and there and then you get like the fomo too you know the the fear of missing out that if you don't pull the trigger right now then it's never going to happen and you're just you're screwed for sure and when we were in college how many people had the the full send flags mm -hmm. and everything nelk related it, it's it's so funny because now that you mention the nelk boys whenever i think about it they did a, such a good job with their with their scarcity aspect because it was to one of you i said it before are they trying to make a designer brand because i remember they were charging over 700 dollars for a jacket on their on their site for retail for their retail price which is absolutely insane and then it would resell for more and the fact that they could do that, that they inflated the price so much where they can charge 700 for a jacket, and it's still going to sell out, mm -hmm. is just mind-boggling. I remember we did the math one time on one, one item that they had released, and because they put the limited supply of it, I think it was a, just a bear on a hoodie. And I remember doing the calculation, it was over a million dollars that they made on literally one item for the drop. Crazy. How did you know how much they were selling? They had it out, 750 units. They, they literally had it on the site. There's only 750 of these released. Like, get them fast because they're going to sell out. And they were priced stupidly expensive. Hmm. Crazy. Yeah. Um, one other takeaway I had from this chapter was when it comes to scarcity, the best way to go about it is honesty. Yeah. And it's something that we got ourselves into trouble with before. Like, mm -hmm. And it, he made a great point. Like, if you can handle 10 clients a week with your service advertise that say hey i got 10 spots open and then if you have five fill up be like i can only handle five and if you're just like oh yeah we can handle 100 people or if you lie about how many people you're already dealing with i think it's just going to come back to bite you um so i really like that as far as like this type of part of the offer is not like fake it till you make it it's just like hey be honest be with what you can provide be honest with how many people you can work with and then just do your best to provide the best service then for sure that's that that's a really big thing that I was whenever I heard that it was it was like people do appreciate honesty more than anything. And if you are honest with them, like like seriously, like this is what I can do for you. 
you have that much more conviction when you're talking to them. And in the book, he also said, your conviction needs to be greater than their skepticism for them to want to buy what you have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you're very convicted and you're actually telling the truth, that's full conviction in what you have. And then it's going to beat their skepticism. Yeah. Facts. Okay, so I'll move on to the last one. And he talks about it in the book as something that went the most viral, the thing he got the most famous for. And it was called the value equation. And this equation is basically equal to um, the your client's or perspective's dream outcome multiplied by their perceived likelihood of achievement divided by the time delay and the sacrifice of the client. So breaking that down a little more, your goal to get the most value or be able to charge them the most amount of price is to increase their dream outcome and to increase their perceived likelihood of achievement. So meaning increase what they can obtain, increase the results that you can give to them and increase the likelihood that you can achieve those results for them. So that could be providing testimonials. And that's why testimonies are so big because that is kind of saying this, it's a no brainer why you should do this. It's having people speak on your behalf and tell them, um, why it should be a no-brainer for you as well. So it, it's just a further persuasion, and then you should decrease both on the bottom, which were, again, time delay and sacrifice. So you have to minimize um, what your client or prospect will be sacrificing to work with you, and then the time delay. And I want to break both of these down because he said these are the most important. And the reason is, if you can take both of those to zero... In that equation, anything divided by zero is undefined, but it's infinity. If you divide by, if you divide by a really small number, point zero 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 one, you're gonna that's that's multiplying by a lot. So it's gonna be a really high number. Um, so looking at sacrifice, Hermosi did this by saying, "Hey, you don't have to pay me at all. Pay me when you get the money," mm-hmm. and that's the like most minimal amount of things that a prospect has to sacrifice because they're putting nothing up front. They're just waiting to get results with you. And that's why he was so successful and why his offer was so strong. And then time delay, which I think was super interesting. Make that, um, make the time between they sign up and they start getting results as minimal as possible. Hermosi says speed, speed sells. And he talks about the thing with liposuction versus working out. Working out, it costs $10 a month at Planet Fitness. How, how much would that be for your whole life? Like $1,000, whatever it would be. It'd be super cheap to do that. Okay, and that's for a lifetime of fitness. But it's hard to sell. Because the dream outcome you're selling is you can obtain this, but you're going to have to put in all the work to get to there. And people don't want to do that. Now, if you sell liposuction... And insurances don't even cover this kind of um, cosmetic work, but it'll be $15,000 out of pocket. But guess what? You'll get the results right away. You'll just be sore for a couple weeks. But people would rather do that as opposed to getting a gym membership. If you can deliver results to someone 
in a quick fashion, people would be more than happy to go with you and they would pay a premium. Yeah, that was really good. That was a lot of stuff. That was really, really good. One thing that I want to say, kind of continuing on about your what you can provide for someone to ensure that they're going to get results so they can limit their sacrifice is guarantees. My favorite guarantee that he said in the book was after 30 days of being with us, if you want to club a baby seal, then we can let you go. That's the funniest guarantee in the world. Like if you want to just beat a baby seal with a shovel, like, man, you have to be real mad if you want to do that. But, um, dude, that's so funny. You can get creative with how you add stuff into your business. And the more creative you you are, like, the more likable you're going to be by someone. It doesn't have to be, like, something super plain. Like, he actually said that was his fa- favorite guarantee to use with clients, which is actually hilarious. I could kind of see that with Hermosi, too. He's a little goofy boy. He is. Mm-hmm. He is a little goofy dude. But that, that's so funny that he said, like, he got playful with what he said, and yet he still was able to build great businesses. Yeah. yeah. And I also think that's the thing, too. It's instead of offering what everyone else offers how can you be different and be authentic with what you're doing exactly that's the big thing in that it's so unique who would say that on a sales call like you're trying to go close someone for whatever whatever you're in whatever industry you're trying to close someone and the guarantee you pull them with is if you don't want to club a baby seal then like i guess like you can leave i think people also have a perspective of business like business is business and like like it has to be so serious, but like, I think I, for some reason, I think with seeing like goofy looking entrepreneurs, like the Nelk boys getting into um, business and their brand is so big, but people want to work with them. Um, but they were like brought up because of partying and all their jokes and whatever. I just think like maybe business isn't so serious anymore and you could kind of, be yourself and express yourself and maybe also if you do that you can build deeper relationships and just like you know a business relationship where people actually want to see you win no exactly that's what i'm trying to get at with that guarantee is how important it is to be yourself because now hermosi can go into any sales meeting that he wants just wear a beater he doesn't have to throw a suit on he could just pull up in beater and a beater and sandals just like the nelk boys they can pull up to a business meeting to go close a happy dad sale for, I don't know, $100 million anywhere on the East Coast and a backwards hat, no suit and a sweatshirt. Like they really did change the way that business is done. And it doesn't have to be something that's so, so strict and so formal. If you are yourself and you have something great to offer, business can be done with anybody. Yeah. Um, what was the other sacrifice and time delay? Yeah. Um, I think that's really big. I like his examples of like what differentiates people from buying something because like we're saying here, like a lot of things are very similar. Like if you go to a gas station and want to buy a drink, like all the drinks are going to be relatively the same as far as ingredients, taste, but what's the outcome? If you want to buy like a energy drink, what really makes you compelled to buy one over the other? Well, energy drink is for caffeine and energy. So time delay for that is how quickly can you get a burst of energy? because that's why you're drinking it. Um, the sacrifice behind it is maybe how much you're paying. If one is $250, one's $3, you're going to be buying the 251 just because it's a little <laughs> bit cheaper. It's less of a sacrifice. So one thing he really hit on in this area of the chapter in the book is 
if you have two identical products, they don't have to be identical because one is going to have a greater or lesser time delay. One's going to have a greater or lesser sacrifice. So even if something seems very similar, how can you increase or decrease those factors to make it more compelling for your offer? Yeah, that's a, that, yeah, that's a really good point because a lot of times, especially when you think about business, I would even said the energy drink space. Let's talk about something like Prime, for example. You would say it's like super oversaturated with energy drinks because there were so many there were so many companies that were coming out with different forms of hydration and all that stuff and energy drinks, and they came in and like increased electrolytes by double, decreased calories. It and decreased price, I believe, on a per bottle thing when comparing it to like Gatorade and stuff. So it really shows even if there is something in a market where it seems super saturated, you can make those minor tweaks that will make your product better. And those little inconveniences on some product could be the reason why your product becomes a bestseller because it makes it that much more accessible. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Is there any other big takeaways from the book or are we wrapping up? I think that's about it. The only thing that I would say would be if when you're going in business, having an offer that's strong is basically the basis of your company. Whenever we read Seller Be Sold, it made me realize how much sales is around us. You're, you're constantly being sold things. You're constantly being marketed things so you can go buy a product. So if you can figure out a way to motivate consumers to purchase your product with a great offer, whether that be business to consumer, business to business, then you're going to find a way to win in life. And I know maybe not everyone listening to this podcast is business oriented, but that's the direction we're trying to go in our life. So this would be, I would, I, I hope people who are listening to this got some value in some way, shape or form to learn how to move forward in any in any step of business yeah and i think the biggest takeaway comes from the title make an offer so good people would feel stupid saying no Mm -hmm. just have people have it be a no-brainer that's really it exactly have people not have to think about whether your product will help them or not make the risk super minimal and uh charge a premium Yeah. yeah i like it well, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. We upload every Tuesday and Thursday, so we will see you guys in the next one. Peace.